Hello, I'm Pastor Joe Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship, coming live to your device all the way from Beijing, China. Enjoy this podcast while you're driving your car, maybe doing household chores, or even your morning devotion. As you join us today, I trust the living Word of God to touch your life. His name is Yeshua, and He is Lord of all. Check us out online at anif.cc. The first thing that we're going to do tonight is we're going to prepare the Lord's table. It's interesting, when Jesus gathered for the Passover meal, he gathered with his 12 disciples. And he said, I have desired to have this meal with you. He, didn't, he wasn't saying, I desire to have, you know, have lunch with you. He was saying, this Passover, I've been desiring to come here to this place, to this moment in time, to have Passover with you. And he prepared a meal. And we want to prepare that meal today. This Lord's table. This Lord's supper. We want to prepare this meal to the supernal king. This is the meal of the Holy One. Blessed be he. And his Shekinah. The Shekinah is the manifestation of his presence. According to the Jews, they understand it as God feminine. The feminine side of God. And those that, that really know Holy Spirit well understand the feminine intimacy and personality of Holy Spirit. So when we speak of Shekinah, we're speaking of the, the feminine manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is His glory. And we prepare this meal before His presence, and we invite the Shekinah glory in this place. I saw a beautiful photo today from Alex. Do you guys remember Alex with the earring? That gives the prophecies, the words of knowledge, birthdays and all that. He was just in Peru this week. And he took a photo. It's crazy. I, I saved the photo. There was uh, angelic light in the face. It was a huge crowd. And in the faces of like four people here, three people here, six people there, there was this just, a, I never seen anything like it, just a pure white light. Bright white light coming out of their faces. And it was, it, you know, I, well, for sure he took the photo. It couldn't be Photoshopped, but there's no way there could be a photographic light flash like this because it was scattered upon certain people. It was the Shekinah glory, the fire of God upon the people. And I saw that picture and I said, Lord, those that come tonight with a hungry heart, those that come desiring for your presence, let that glory come out of their spirit man tonight. Amen. The sixth day, the heavens and the earth and all their hosts were completed. And on the seventh day, God finished his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. For on it he rested from all his works which God created to make. 
Amen. Blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who made us holy with your commandments and favored us and gave us your holy Sabbath in love and favor to be our heritage as a reminder of your creation. This Sabbath is the foremost day of the holy festivals, marking the exodus from Egypt, this Passover, excuse me, marking the exodus from Egypt. For out of all the nations you chose us and you made us holy, and you gave us your holy Sabbath and love, favor, as our heritage. Blessed are you, God, who sanctifies the Sabbath. Amen. 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 Now I'm going to take this matzah bread, I'm going to break it in two. The large piece I'm going to put, one piece, larger piece I'm going to set aside to serve. The smaller piece I'll put between the other two matzahs. And I'm going to bless the matzah. Amen? So let me do that now. This is the bread of affliction. This is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come to the Lord's table. We have come into the heavenly Jerusalem through his broken body for us. And we are no longer slaves, but we are free indeed. The Jewish people for thousands of years have prayed Whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come to the Lord's table. Isn't that the words that Jesus said? Those of you who are hungry, come and eat my flesh. Those who are thirsty, come and drink my blood. Jesus was praying the prayers that he had learned from a child. He was preaching and talking to them from the prayers that they prayed for thousands of years, saying, I am he that fulfilled this. Amen. We have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, each and every one of us here. As we've been born again, as we've been saved, we've come to this heavenly Jerusalem. The Jewish people say, during this time, they say, next year in Jerusalem, next year in Israel. That's what they all say. If you go to a Passover today at the Chabad synagogue, they're going to pray this prayer, but they say, next year in Jerusalem. But we say, we have come. Say, we have come. We have come. We have come into the heavenly Jerusalem. You know, the laws of physics tell us that we're not even here right now. The laws of physics, not spiritually speaking, say that we are standing here as a manifestation, as a hologram of something that's taken place already in another dimension. Don't you know that as you sit here today... The Bible tells us that our body is here, but we have been risen with him in heavenly places. Citizens and residents of the new Jerusalem, you are there right now. Amen? Hallelujah. Why is it the Jews, every year at Passover, they ask four questions. I found only two of those questions relevant to us where we're at. One of them is, why is it that on all nights, other nights, during the year, we eat 
leavened bread. But on this night, we only eat unleavened bread. This is the question the rabbi asks, and then they respond to him, and they give a natural answer. But their response is diluted with the lack of revelation of Messiah, not understanding that Jesus is the unleavened bread. Not understanding that Jesus is the bread of life. The reason why the proper answer is, and I want you to repeat it with me, is because leaven represents sin. So I'm going to ask you this question, you repeat the answer with me. The answer is because leaven represents sin, and Jesus is the sinless bread of life. So I'll, answer, I'll ask the traditional age-old, thousand-year-old question to you tonight. What is it that on all nights, or why is it that on all other nights of the year, we eat leavened bread? Those of you who know on Shabbat, we eat fluffy white bread every week, is that right? But why is it on this night, on Passover, that we, just like the children that were in Egypt, as they had their Passover meal, waiting for the death angel to pass over, why is it that they only eat unleavened matzah? Because leaven represents sin, and Jesus is the sinless bread of life. Repeat that with me. Because leaven represents sin, Let's repeat after me. Because leaven represents sin. And Jesus is the sinless bread of life. Amen. The next question is, why is it that on all other nights we dine either sitting upright or reclining? But on this night, we all recline. This is one of the second questions that the rabbi asks and the, and the children and the Jewish custom, the children ask the rabbi and the rabbi responds. They said, and they respond, we recline at the Lord's table because in ancient times, a person who reclined at a meal was a free person while slaves and servants stood. Amen. Slaves and servants stood. But we recline in the presence of God. The revelation is Yeshua is our rest. And we are no longer slaves. We're bought with a price. And we've entered into his rest. And the reason why the Jews today recline at the dinner table and they sit versus standing is because it's a type and a shadow. It's a physical expression of the rest they will have in Messiah. And we understand Messiah has come. And in Him we have rest. Amen. 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 I would like to welcome at this time Dr. Miroslav Atanasov to come share with you a bit more about Christ. A couple of uh, passages that undergird this message. One of them is Exodus chapter 12. The story of the first Passover. 
But a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, second part of that verse says, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Can we just read that all together? For even Christ, For even Christ, our Passover, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Sacrificed for us. Amen. The Passover was instituted on the very night of the Exodus. The twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus records the last of the ten plagues, which was the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. In the case of the firstborn of Israel, justice was satisfied with every claim of righteousness being fully met by the death of the substitute Passover lamb. The blood of the Passover lamb was a type of the lamb of God, Christ, our Passover. The word Passover in Hebrew, Pasach, means to pass over, to spread the wings over, to spare, to preserve, to protect. It refers to a specific time and place in the history of Israel when God's judgment passed over. And the Lord stood guard protecting those who trusted in Him. The Jewish Passover is a beautiful type of the salvation God provided. It was a profession of faith in Yahweh to save His people from the avenging angel of death. In Christ's day as in ours, two days were required to celebrate the Passover. Jesus with his disciples observed the Passover the first night and was himself the Passover lamb the second night. We're told in the book of Genesis that uh, every shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians. If that was the case, what would a lamb in the sacrifice of the Passover make them do? And today, this is the stumbling block for the world. This is the offense. It's the message of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks foolishness, but unto those that are called, both Jew and Greek, he is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know, that is one offense that we must keep before those that are coming to Christ. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians in the second chapter, when I came amongst you, brethren, I did not want to know any other thing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, some want to be seeker sensitive, but I want to be spirit sensitive. And I don't give up on preaching Christ and Him crucified. Amen. The Passover lamb was a substitutionary sacrifice. 
In each Jewish house in Egypt, the Paschal lamb was to die in the place of the firstborn. In the same way, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Yes. Now let's compare the original Passover lamb with the God's Passover lamb who came to take away the sins of the world. You remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, even though they were... Uh, he knew him in the flesh. They were second cousins, but in the spirit he received revelation. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's look at those parallels. Number one, the Passover lamb must be a choice lamb, a choice male lamb in the prime of his life. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Exodus 12, 5. It was to die in the fullness of its life. Jesus Christ began wow. his ministry in the prime of life, around 30 years of age. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30. Here is a lamb who is in the prime of his life. Number two. The Passover lamb had to be without blemish. Mm. The Passover lamb must be without any fault of any kind. Nothing but a perfect sacrifice could satisfy the requirements of a holy and righteous God. It had to be perfect to be accepted. The Apostle Peter knew the perfect lamb in life, in real life. And he wrote, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. First Peter chapter 1. We're told at the beginning of his ministry that when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. God the Father testified to his son's sinlessness, and therefore accepted his sacrifice. Anyone who had sin in his life could not make atonement for sins. God can only be satisfied with a holy and pure sacrifice. The word for unblemished or without blemish is used of a sacrifice without spot or blemish. And morally of a person who is without blemish, faultless, unblameable. And who else fulfilled that requirement? But our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three. The Passover lamb must be kept under scrutiny. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Luke 11 tells us the scribes and Pharisees grew very hostile toward Jesus. And, plotted, and were plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. Daily, the Jewish leaders scrutinized Jesus' teaching in the temple and local synagogues. What can we say about Jesus after all that intense observation for three years? He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he reviled not back. While suffering, he uttered no threats. 
but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his stripes we were healed. First Peter 2, quoting Isaiah, of course, 53. Jesus committed no sin, either before or during his suffering. He was completely innocent in both word and in deed. Number four, it was necessary for the Passover lamb to be slain. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel was to kill it at twilight. Death must be inflicted on either the guilty sinner or upon an innocent substitute. The victim's blood was taken and sprinkled upon the doorposts and lintel of the house where the Israelites dwelt. Without the sprinkling of blood, there was no salvation that night. The lambs were slain between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon before the Passover, which began when the first day of starlight could be seen in the sky. The head of the household now stood for and acted on behalf of each family member. At the trials of Jesus, the people shouted, crucify him. Crucify him. That was the common consent of the whole congregation of Israel. Representatively, Jesus stood in the place of every believing sinner. Jesus died at the same time that the Passover lambs were being slain in the temple at Jerusalem. Thousands of lambs were slain the first Passover night in Egypt. Listen now. But it is interesting that throughout this chapter, amen. Throughout this chapter, the singular is used when referring to the lamb. Israel shall kill it, not them. There was only one lamb, my brothers and sisters, in Yahweh's mind that night. And that was the lamb of God at Calvary. He, God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus' scourging and death accomplished spiritual healing or salvation of every individual who trusts Him as His Savior. And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 Jesus gave Himself as a ransom for our sins. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word redeemed means to set free by payment or ransom. It is a ransom for life, as of a slave, and, and therefore to set free by payment of ransom. The ransom is the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood is God's blood, Acts 20, 20 28. Uh, deity became incarnate in humanity. How precious and costly is the redemption God provided in the atoning sacrifice of His own Son. More literally, we are redeemed with costly blood. Listen now. Highly honored blood as of a lamb that is without blemish and spotless, the blood of Christ. It was by the blood of Christ that we are redeemed from sin. It is an ugly picture of blood spilled because sin, my friends, is ugly. We're totally depraved and in the need of God's perfect sacrifice for sin. 
Redemption is a purchasing from the marketplace of sin with the priceless blood of a perfect lamb. Can you say amen? Amen. Number five. The bones of the Passover lamb must not be broken. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any, uh, any bone of it. Amen. That's verse 46. The Roman soldiers came to Jesus when they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may also believe. Of course, that's the Gospel of John. For these things came to pass to fulfill the Scripture. Not a bone of his shall be broken. Psalm 34, of course. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. That's the prophecy fulfilled here. Number six. The blood of the Passover lamb had to be applied in the correct manner. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. Amen? And on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. If we imagine how the blood was applied to the door of the Hebrew houses, it formed the shape of a cross. Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. On the lintel and the two doorposts. That's the cross. We have to appropriate by faith the death of Jesus for our sins. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Number seven. The meat of the Passover lamb must be eaten in the home. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire for its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner. Listen. With your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. For it's the Lord's Passover. Oh, I can, you know, I can preach on this a little while. We must be ready. Therefore be also ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. As we partake of Jesus Christ and His blood and His flesh and this communion, we should also, uh, always be ready for His coming, my brothers and sisters. We should remember the Lord and His sacrifice until He comes. Because there's nothing in this world I need. There's nothing in this world I want. Hallelujah. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Hallelujah. Amen. We must be ready to travel. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit awakens our deprived spirit. Dead in trespasses and sins. To see Christ as the Lamb slain on our behalf. God in His sovereign grace gives us faith to receive Him as our personal Savior. He loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 The Lamb of God died as my substitute in my place. He died instead of me. He died on my behalf. I appropriate by faith the fact that he died for my sins. A Savior provided is not sufficient. He must 
be accepted. He must be received. There must be faith in his blood. Amen. Amen. And faith is a personal thing. It is my personal responsibility to exercise faith in Christ who died for me. I must, by faith, take the blood and refuge, you know, hide beneath it. I must place it in between my sins and a holy God. To be saved by faith is to rely upon the Lamb of God as the sole ground of my acceptance with Him. The righteousness of a holy God demands acquittal of every believer in Christ. Not only did God provide for their salvation from the death angel, but He also provided nourishment, listen, for their travel. That was what the Passover was about. Part of it. Jesus not only saves us from sin, but He also provides daily bread for our spiritual lives. We must come to Him for our nourishment every day, not just on Sundays. What we ate for spiritual food yesterday will not carry us over for today or tomorrow. That's right. It is a daily feasting on Christ. Change the metaphor and uh, the need for daily sustenance becomes perfectly clear. John 15 and 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Number 8. The Passover lamb of God provides perfect protection from the judgment of God. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, Jehovah, or Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The death of the lamb and the sprinkling of its blood provided the only safe refuge from the judgment of God. Every firstborn who was not covered by the Passover lamb was slain that night. The Apostle John recognized this great truth when he wrote that Christ himself is the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 2, 2. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Also, 1 John 4, 10. Romans 3, 25 speaks of Christ whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Christ is the means whereby our sin is covered and remitted. Properly, propitiation is the turning away of the wrath of a holy God by an offering. God's wrath is His settled, controlled, holy antagonism against all sin. Propitiation is the appeasement of the wrath of God by the love of God through the gift of God's own sacrifice. Christ is the priest, both the priest and the sacrifice for our sin. The initiative is taken by God Himself in sheer unmerited love. He turns His own wrath away by His own blood. God's justice has now been satisfied. Our sin debt has been paid. His holiness is satisfied and God's wrath is turned away. John the Baptist saw Jesus and declared, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hebrews 10. 
He, having offered one sacrifice for sin, for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected all time those that are sanctified. Amen. Hebrews 10. The death of Jesus Christ is the propitiation for all our sins. The sacrifice of himself turns away the wrath of God. It is God who is propitiated by his own provision made in this, well, this is a little theological here, in this vicarious, substitutionary, expiatory sacrifice of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Man sinned. It's simple now. Christ annuls the power of sin to, to, that separates God and man. Our Passover not only covers our sin, but He turns back Woo! the wrath of God, which we deserve, and God can look upon us with favor. Not because of anything we've done. Number nine, the Passover meal was a memorial supper. The Passover was to be celebrated every year as a remembrance of what Yahweh had done in delivering Israel out of Egypt. Every year, every family would concentrate on this meal and the meaning of each of the elements of the meal. At least once a year, every family in Israel knew what God did at the Passover in Egypt. It was a method of teaching the people about redemption. And if you follow you know, the great revivals that happened in the Bible and the Old Testament, you know, with King David and the other great kings like Josiah, Hezekiah, and then you go to, you know, after the Babylonian captivity, Nehemiah, one of the major things they did is did a Passover. Amen. Because that was a that was a time of revival, of of remembering the Exodus. Hallelujah. And the Lamb of God. Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. At the last part, Passover, the transition was made. To the memorial supper of the Lamb of God who took away our sins. Properly officiated, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper is a reminder of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. It is a message of the salvation of the family of God. Do this in remembrance of me. We come to the communion table and celebrate on the basis of redemption accomplished. The atoning sacrifice of Christ has been accomplished. Now it's time to remember and celebrate it too is a great method of teaching and preaching the meaning of the sacrificial death on, of Jesus on our behalf. Number 10, and I'm coming to conclusion. The Passover lamb's blood must not be trampled upon. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your homes to smite you. The blood of the Lamb is not to be put on the threshold. It is not to be trampled upon. Do not trample on the blood of the Lamb of God. How tragic when people demean the blood of God. Amen. First John 1 said, Walking in the light with God makes possible to have fellowship one with another. That's made possible by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And that was real blood. No mere phantom, atoning blood of the sinless Son of God for our sins. John is not 
ashamed to use this word. It is not the mere example that cleanses us from sin. It does cleanse the conscience and life and nothing else does. It provides forgiveness and cleansing. Amen. First John 3 and 3. The great application that comes out of the Passover sacrifice is the assurance and security of our salvation through the Lamb of God. The Apostle Peter preached, and there is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and 12. The believer's security should be found only in the pl applied blood of the Lamb of God. There can be no other basis for eternal security. And of course, it's not unconditional. We must remain in Him. Feelings have nothing to do with our salvation or security. Like the people of Israel long ago, we must rely upon the Lamb of God alone to cover our sins. When Jesus Christ cried, it's finished. We were delivered once and for all from all condemnation. Nothing but the blood can cover your sins. Dear brothers and sisters, have you put your trust in Christ alone to save you from all eternity? I believe most of us have. It is God's free gift to all who call upon His name. Amen. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. God bless you. We were slaves. Not only in the literal sense were the children of Israel slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to our past, slaves to generational sin, slaves to the enemy, the God of this world. But now we are no longer slaves. We are free through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Miro said something moments ago. He said, it's not good enough that only Christ died for our sins. But we must partake of Him. And that's why we gather tonight. Just like Yeshua, our Messiah, did. The same exact night. 2,000 years ago with the same meal he said take and do this in remembrance of me he said this is my body the unleavened matzah the unleavened bread the sinless bread and he said this is my blood that I shed for you But you might be listening right now and you say Pastor Joey I wanted to pray that prayer if I was there I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. 
His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me and we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something, or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening, and feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.